podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We're pleased to announce that this episode of the Spurs Show podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Spurs fixture over the 23-24 season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter where you're based. You can catch every single minute of the action. If you download the Green King Sport app, you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime there's any match on the telly. But this month, there's also a thousand pints of free Guinness to be won and the chance to win one of six holidays. That's Green King Sport. Get the app. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Tottenham Hotspur fans around the world, and welcome to another Spurs show. It's Theo Delaney here in North London, where we are coming to terms with a home defeat at the hands of Wolves. Second time we've been mauled by them this season. And there are some murmurings of discontent starting to be audible around the subject of Ange Ball. So we'll look back on that disappointment and perhaps anticipate more as the news reaches us that our next opponents, Crystal Palace, have replaced Roy Hodgson today with highly rated former Frankfurt boss Oliver Glasner. So the new manager bounce will be just off the launch pad where we play them in a fortnight's time. Returning to the show to discuss all this and more are from the proud Lily Whites, Chris Paros. Hi, Chris. Hello, hello. How are we doing? Good, great to see you. And legendary Northern Soul man Richard Sealing is back. Hi, Richard. Hi, Phil. Great to be back. Great to have you both aboard on this. this. We haven't had many downbeat shows this season, what we were thinking of, but I do feel... I do feel there's a slight for the first time. If you if you've dipped your toe into social media today, I do feel for the first time there's a bit of whinging going on about the manager. And we haven't really had that. I mean, I first encountered it last week when I saw my good friend Rob White, who comes on here a lot. And even before this Wolves game, he was uh, he was he, he he suddenly he was saying, I'm not sure about Ange. He never has a plan B. And uh, I think he, you know, I don't like the look of it. We're looking vulnerable in every game. And then, of course, he was vindicated by Saturday's result to some extent. I mean, I don't know. I mean, where, where are you on Ange at the moment, Chris? My love for Ange remains true, Theo. Right. I think there's a couple of things. One is we weirdly don't like playing against Wolves. Yeah, that's I for remember, sure. I remember there was one season at White Hart Lane. I can't remember which season it was. We lost against, I remember it because we lost against Wolves, West Brom and West Ham at home. All the W's. It was all the W's. Mm. So I think there is that. I also think that we know that the the way that Ange plays, he's not going to change it regardless of the personnel. So he's got the fullbacks that he wants for the way that he plays, which is Poro and Doggy, and they weren't there. Now, actually, I thought Ben Davis did a good. Emerson wasn't at his best. Fine, I don't necessarily want to criticise individual players, but I do think there's something about the fact that we know that it takes time for the way that Ange plays to bed in. You know, in terms of where their fitness levels get to, you know that you know. Look at any Ange team; there are always like lots of injuries in season one, 
Um, Benton Cor's not back at his best, and we, you know, they've told us he's probably not going to be back at his best until next season. Madison looks slightly off the pace since he's come back from his injury, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I think, do you know what? You lose football games. We're yeah. not going to win every match. No, um, no one's going to win every match. So I just think it's easy. We're all, you know, we're, we're in social media where we've all got and we've all got immediate opinions i completely understand that and it's frustrating right it is frustrating losing a match and we can have um you know our hot takes and i totally get that and i think you know everyone should like definitely go out there and do their thing however i think that questioning arguably the best manager we've had in a very very long time over one game we've got to kind of you know, give it the time. It's a, you know, I hate to use the term project, but it is a project. Um, and I think, you know, you're not going to win every game. I'd, I'd, I mean, how I managed to stay upbeat about it, I don't know, because actually I came away from that game going, I genuinely don't know what happened. Why were we so shit? Excuse my language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apart from those th- that 34 seconds, po- actually the first five minutes weren't bad either. And then the first, um, minute when we scored in the second half, but other than that, we just didn't bring anything to the party. Which was yeah, tra- it it was uh, it was it was troubling. I mean, you make one one very interesting point, which a few people have picked up on, which is that we were missing both fullbacks who are so important. They've been such a revelation. The two of them they've been absolutely brilliant this season. Whichever way you want to measure them, they've been brilliant to watch. But their stats have been incredible as well. And they're so strong and formidable and energetic. And we're missing both of them. But some people have said, yeah, well. You know, if you're missing two two players that are so integral and so essential to that way of playing, surely what you do if you're a sophisticated manager is you simply play a different way when you don't have them. What do you think about that, Richard? Yeah, three at the back with uh, Dragozin in maybe might have been another option. But I just thought it was... It just went on too long on uh, on Saturday afternoon. I, I didn't go to the game, but I did watch on a feed uh, for the first 20 minutes. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, it looked to me... That we we just had no clue. It was side to side. There was nothing there that looked anything like Ange Ball to me. It didn't surprise me when I, I heard that Wolves had gone one up. Then when we equalised, I really thought we'd turn it round. And I think the most disappointing thing was we, you know, apart from that header that went over from Richarlison and the header at the end from Davis, which I don't know how he contrived to miss, by the way. It, it, but the, the problem we've got is all about context now. That lot up the road winning games. I mean, all of us now are Liverpool and City fans as second and third teams, aren't we? I mean, I'm going to be watching City tomorrow night. I was cheering them on against Chelsea. I would never normally do that. And you've got United getting all sorts of crazy, weird decisions going for them, closing the gap. Uh, They've got Fulham next before we play again. And it just felt like we... A win on Saturday would really have put us clear. And it wasn't just a, a one-match defeat. It felt like the whole season imploded with that result. And coming on the back of the game at Wolves, which uh, Chris mentioned, I mean, I was actually DJing, would you believe, that lunchtime at Blackpool Tower. And I hate that. Hate it. Because I've got Why? my phone by me. Well, because I'm, I can't concentrate on what records I'm going to play because <laughs> I'm looking at the phone. Of course, three minutes, one nil, Johnson, and I looked at my phone. He went on and on and on, and it was well past ninety, and I was just yeah. about to explode on the mic. And I looked at my phone, and it said some can't even remember his name. Now, puts the host two one up. Like, what? Yeah, seven minutes in. You for Horrible. God's sake. Yeah, absolutely was, and that yeah. was with so many injuries at that time. I mean. 
The whole Ange thing, I don't know how he's coped with the amount of ridiculous problems he's had with injuries. And that Chelsea game was just crazy, wasn't it? The Chelsea yeah. player that got Romero sent off, contriving to cause that issue in the Chelsea penalty box. The referees falling for things. You know, Bissouma at uh, Forest, Bissouma at Luton. You know, you've seen other players not even get yellows for that. And everything like that has gone against us this season. Perfectly good goal, second goal against Chelsea. I didn't think that was offside. The Son goal after 20 minutes. And it's so he's done remarkably well. So we've got to cut him some slack. But boy, this Palace game's big. This Palace game is huge. Low block, low block. Again, he's got to somehow get Son through the middle and bring Johnson in, I think, and get Kulu on the left on the left again. That's all I can I don't and hopefully our best player is Bentacore. He's got to in the next two weeks, I don't know what he has to do, but he's got to get that guy right because he is for me the best player we've had for years. When he when he's fit and on form, yeah, but he yeah. has been poor recently, hasn't he? The last couple of times, which is why he rested him, or call it what you like, dropped him, rested him, whatever you want to say. But he didn't pick him on Saturday. And I and I felt like that was fair because although I agree with you, Bentancourt is, you know. I mean, there's the old saying, isn't there? Um, form is temporary, class is permanent, which is actually, yeah, but sometimes players just go off and never come back, either because of injury or they just they just get worse. You know, I mean, look, look what happened to Delhi Alley just off the top of my head. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Benton Kerr is come back, coming back from bad, bad injury spell. And although he is top, top class, his form is is not on. I actually, for me, while I was watching there, it was a very frustrating watch, wasn't it? But my... Um, my feeling was that the only two players who actually played pretty well were the central midfielders. I thought Basuma and Saar actually played all right. They didn't do, didn't really do anything wrong. The real disappointment came further up the pitch with all, all the forward line didn't play well enough. And you've got to find ways through, including Madison, actually. So, I mean, the whole front four. Madison has an excuse because he's only just back because he's still getting back to fit. And I'm, I don't, I'm not worried about him. If he can stay fit, he will play himself back into serious form. I'm not, I've no doubt about that. But the other three, I don't know. Go on, Chris. I also think to build on, on, um, on Richard's point there, you know, you've also got a team that had just sort of settled in terms of the absences from AFCON and the Asia Cup. And obviously, when you've got those players back, of course you're going to reintegrate them. Of course you are, because they're our sort of first team. Um, but, you know, like, that sort of chopping and changing as well, you know, like, it's interesting. I mean, I thought... um you know, I mean, you could always kind of criticise the substitutions, couldn't you? I would have, I wouldn't have taken Sar off. No, I, you know, like, I was surprised. His kind of dynamism is kind of what you need in that midfield to keep the ball moving. And as you said, there was a lot of sort of a lot of pedestrian sideways. It felt like a bit of Spurs of old, as you say. I'm not sure where Ange Ball was on on Saturday, and 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 Sar is very much a proponent of that. So I was surprised to see him come off, but you know I'm not I'm not the expert. I I do leave that to Ange, and I'm happy for him to do that job. Um, and I guess you know we just we just weren't there on on Saturday. Mm. Saar wasn't happy coming off, was he? He screamed no. out. He screamed out. I mean, I don't blame him because it was not Ooh. a great team performance. But the one that I felt the shining, the only shining light in the whole team, and which was a pretty lacklustre performance, was him. So it did seem odd. But then, like you say. 
Chris, you, you, so we're still at the stage where we don't really, well, I am, not everyone is, but we are, where you don't really doubt Anne. Do you think, well, he'll have, his, he'll have his reasons for that. And Saar, maybe because Saar does play so full on, maybe he thinks you, you can't ask him to do 90 minutes like that. Or you can, but he's inevitably there's a law of diminishing returns there. He's going to get slightly less dynamic as the game goes on. You have five subs. Why not freshen it? freshen it up but yeah I was, I was surprised to to see him go off as well but I'm not as surprised as he was evidently um and Davis had a decent game I know Richard just sort of said about that final header and I just think he didn't know where he was mm. you know like you could just sort of see the direction the ball went in it's sort of in a diagonal line to me because I'm in the slower and I'm like he didn't know where he was in in relation to the goal because knew where the goal was in relation to his body have gone off in that direction and he had that wonderful volley in the first half as well so if it had just dipped in time it would have been an absolute worldie but I mean you know if if some butts are you know candy and nuts we'd have a happy new year <laughs> <laughs> well I, I mean Davis doesn't he, he will always give it everything he's a solid pro and he's always 100% committed so you always hesitate to criticise him, but he is basically a meat and potatoes defender, isn't he? He's definitely not Destiny Udogi. By the way, wouldn't it, won't it be great when Destiny Udogi becomes a father and we can start talking about Destiny's child? Oh. <laughs> just thought about that the other day. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been saving that one up yeah. for? Oh, I, it just came to me the other day and I just thought, I can't wait. We can all start singing Destiny's yeah. Child songs yeah. on the terraces. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, he, whatever you do with Davis, you will never turn him into uh, Destiny Udogu. Uh, but he has a... But, so I guess it comes back to that thing, well, when you've got to play Davis, especially if you've got to play him and uh, Emerson Royale, maybe you just change it. Uh, but he's just not going to change it, which, uh, you know, fine. Maybe next year what he will do in the next window is he'll buy backup defenders that are more like the ones they're backing up which I think that's sense. more likely the case than actually changing because I think yeah. he's not going to change the way he plays he's going to mm. change the personnel to fit the style of play that he thinks is the right way of winning football matches and ultimately winning trophies and yeah. he has it in other places the funny thing is about those fullbacks is that Actually, at the beginning of the season, if you looked at our squad, you'd have thought, well, who who could back? Well, at that point, we didn't know how he's going to, we didn't know anything about Andrew, really, not much anyway. But if you look at Udogi and Poro, you think about who's on the books who could potentially play like them because they're made up like it. You'd look at Sessignon and you'd look at Spence. Spence Ooh. is absolutely persona non grata. Doesn't matter who the manager is, he is persona non grata. And Sessignon, he, he broke down again on Saturday playing for the under-21s. It's such a shame. But you look at them, the types of player, the types of fullbacks they are or were when we last saw them, seems a long time ago now. Very athletic, very quick, very, you know, so you, do you think they might have more like the kind of attributes required to back them? But I mean, that's pie in the sky, imagining them back in the spine. You never know, do you? I mean, some people get rehabilitated. You'd never thought you'd see them again. The Chelsea's back, isn't they? And still being an active member of the squad. So who knows? Well, I bought a programme for the first time in ages at the weekend because there was a Proudly Wise feature in it. Yeah. Um, and my nephew was looking at it as we were walking back to the car and uh, he commented that both Tanganga and Ndombele were on the um, squad. squad. Yeah. Are they back yeah. then? I think, and, I think Ndombele was... No, Tanganga's definitely at Millwall. He went. Oh, he yeah. did come back, but then he went off to Millwall. And I think right. I think Ndombele was going to come back, and then suddenly at the last minute, Galatasaray said, "Oh, sod it, we might as well keep yeah. him." Yeah, 
Even if they're on loan, do they keep them on the squad list? Seems seems so, doesn't it? It seems seems like an odd thing to do, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Do we think this is an administrative error on the part of the program? I, <laughs> I was commenting because I just looked at the back of it. I was like, God, our squad list is much longer than theirs. Yeah. And then my nephew was like, yeah, but it's got Endombele, it's got Tanganga yeah. on it, it's got yeah. someone else's name I don't recognise. Yeah, John Pratt. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, uh, I think that's um, that's just a mistake. Simple as that. Mm. Um, uh, one thing's for sure, Tanganga and Endombele ain't going to be filling in for Udogi and uh, Poro. No way. No. We could be assured of that. <laughs> That is for sure. I'm glad you mentioned that there was a feature in the programme, Chris, because you came on the pitch at half-time, of course. I did. Which is, prob- I would say, the high point of the entertainment. It didn't rain on me like it did last time I did that. Right. Um, well, we like to think that we um, contributed to our goal, which happened only seconds after yeah. the pitch. In fact, I was unable to answer the final question that Paul Coy asked me because in my ear was the producer saying, players are in the tunnel, the players are in the tunnel, they're coming on the pitch. <laughs> wow. And I was like, ah, I'm not used to that. I'm not a broadcaster. No. Do so. they, give you, they give you an earpiece as a guest on the... We've got headphones wow. on. Wow. Hey, you've got headphones on and, you know, it's like five, you know, five seconds and then you're in and then they're in your Blimey. ear. Very super professional. Bloody old Tottenham Hotspur. It's all changed since the old days, isn't it? Proper stadium production. Is... Yeah, yeah, impressive, impressive. Mm. Well, yeah, you did. I don't know what you did, but they came out and played well for about three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it did wore off pretty quick. Yeah. But tell us about you. Tell us about the, the landmark the proud Lily Whites have reached. Yeah, so it's um it's the ten year anniversary of the Proud Lily Whites. We started in February 2014, and at the beginning of this season, with the rest of the committee, one of the things that we wanted to do was properly market, because we're one of the um, pioneers of the LGBTQI plus um, fan group movement in this country. When we started, there was us and three others, and now there are more than 50. And we've done loads of great work with the club, over, you know, with the club and stuff that we've done with and for our members over the years, and we mm. wanted to celebrate it. So we had a brilliant event at the stadium on Thursday evening where we premiered a film that we made, which wow. will um, hopefully go out on our actual birthday, which is when we launched, which was 27th of February 2014. We had, I found an old photograph, so our initial meeting was the 10th of February 2014, but the mm. launch event was against a when we played Dnipro, do you remember right. we played Dnipro in t- February 2014? That was our launch event, right? And so we um, we had an event at the stadium, and I, I mean, you know, I was it felt slightly overwhelming on Thursday evening as I sort of you know uh, pulled the car up opposite the uh, West Atrium to find a, a stadium lit up in rainbow colours, the front of the yeah. stadium saying celebrating ten years of the Proud Lights, and inside the West Atrium, the whole signage being there and we had Fantastic. about 120 130 member guests um a panel we premiered our film mm. uh, we uh, ben davis and ellie brazil came along mm. and uh, met our met some members before we kicked off it was a it was a really good night showcasing all the work that we've done with the club over the last 10 years fantastic and what kind of work do you do for those that don't know yeah so i mean the three things we came up with in that um on our very first meeting, which was a, actually a wet Tuesday night in February, um, I came up with three things, and they're still the sort of three principles that drive us today, which is community, education, and campaigning. 
Her community is the most important thing. It's about bringing people together, bringing Spurs fans together who are LGBTQI plus to ensure that they know that football really is for them. I mean, I've said it many times, but, you know, that feeling that you get when the ball's flying through the air, about to hit the back of the net and everyone rises in unison. It is a unique experience to football and you get that feeling with everyone around you, whether you know them or not, you know you're in that together. And for a lot of LGBTQI plus folk, even if they have loved football in the past, that can feel like it's... it. But um, football can feel like it's not for them. And I don't want to deny that feeling I've just described anybody. So one of the things we want to do is bring people together. And that visibility that we have, the big flag in the stadium and various other things that we've done to bring people together in terms of building our membership, running events, got a vibrant WhatsApp group. You know, that visibility has brought people from all over the, the world and all over the country into sort of our community, which we're very proud of. Um, we want to sort of try and eradicate homophobic discrimination from the game. Um and with that, I think comes some kind of education and awareness building. Um, don't necessarily, I don't want to pros- don't want to criminalise or prosecute anybody. So you know, we're very much into sort of restorative justice, if you like. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and sometimes it is just about raising awareness and education. You know, there's a certain um, chant that's levelled at Chelsea fans. We've made a film about that. You know, our my co-chair Lee came away from the game for a number of years because of that chant because it was a a term that was. Homophobic, a, yeah. Homophobic slur that was, but it was levelled against him in the playground and his school bully oh. used him and then he right. came to football and found it. Right. And so he was like, oh my God, I can't, you know. Mm. But with with seeing the proudly white flag made him realise that actually fo- that was for him mm. and he came back into the game and is now co-chair. I mean, right. and I could go on and on, for, mm. and we helped to change the law with that slur. Mm. We um, helped support uh, an asylum case for one of our members. You know, that visibility we've built has brought people back to the game. And we, you know, also, you know, from a fan education perspective, we work with Kick It Out on some mm. on some fan education as well. So there's there's all sorts of things I could talk about. And then we talk about campaigning, whether it's Rainbow Laces campaign mm. or specific issues that we think are important. Um, but, you know, as with any sort of social movement, things go backwards as well as forwards. So mm-hmm. we've taken great strides in the last 10 years but last year in england and wales um hate crime again for in terms of people's sexual orientation rose by 42 percent and wow. hate against trans people god. rose by 56 percent god and so and the, and as you can imagine social media is a cesspool for um yeah and for, yeah um, yeah so and they and that online um Online words can have real life consequences, as I've just kind of given you those stats. So, mm. you know, those are some of the reasons as well why we continue to do the things that we do. Yeah. Well, congratulations on 10 years of great work and long, long may that continue. Uh, we'll take a little break now. And then when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll anticipate the future. So, for premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews, and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Spurs show merchandise is available. You can check it all out and be the envy of your friends. You just click the link on the description to this podcast. Our monthly live shows are up and running. It's a great time to sign up because uh, we've got Peter Taylor 
on February the 28th. Looking forward to that. He's always brilliant. So you sign up at season.spursshow.net. And then on March the 20th, we've got a Spurs show evening with Paul Gascoigne at the Leicester Square Theatre. And, you know, I've probably been, we've been so excited for so long, but it's, it's not far away now. It's a matter of a few weeks away. Um, and if you bought a season ticket, half of that would be repaid by the by the ticket you get included for Paul Gascoigne. Uh, but there are individual show tickets left because we released a few more last week. And you can check out the link again in the description of this podcast if you want to buy uh, tickets for that. That is going to be some night. Do follow us on Facebook, X and Instagram. And please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts if you get time, because those five-star reviews push us up uh, the, the kind of algorithm and more people get to hear about us. And that that would be great. Thank you ever so much. Uh, as I say, next week, we've got Peter Taylor. Is that next week? 28th, I think. Uh, 20th. Sorry, I might have said the 28th. I don't, No, I did say the 20th. I'm very confused about the dates, as you can probably tell. But it says here, next Wednesday, we're live with Peter Taylor. Who am I to argue? That is the 28th. Um, that is the 28th. Oh, that is the tw- There we go, then. There we go. Um, so there we are. Now, back in the room, as I said before, Crystal Palace today, a very strange turn of events at Crystal Palace. Roy Hodgson was on thin ice as manager, and then just as it looked like they were, they'd lined someone up, it's almost like on the scale of when Martin Joel got the sack, because it seemed like he was being sacked before, but everyone knew about it before before he did. But then, in a terrible twist of fate, he then collapses at the training ground. He's still in the hospital now, I think. But this this all happened uh, last week. But it's come. the news came through today that he has resigned or there's been some mutual agreement. And they've brought in this bloke, Oliver, Oliver Glasner. When we play Palace, it'll be in two weeks' time. Because this weekend, we don't have a game. We were due to play Chelsea, but they're in the League Cup final. They'll be playing Liverpool at Wembley. So we've got two weeks off. Sometimes those unexpected breaks work in your favour. Sometimes they do not. Um, It's slightly concerning uh, because they've got two weeks in the wake of a home defeat. So the psychology of it is, will be a real test of Ange because Ange, as much as anything, is about positive psychology, isn't he? What, what, what do you think the effect of that might be, Richard? Well, like I said before, it's a huge game. And I think the two two salient points here are, and I think, I hope I'm not tempting fate here, uh, hopefully um, Eze and um, the winger are not back for that yeah, game. Elise, it's yeah, It's touch and go. It's touch yeah. and go with one of them. Uh, the centre-back that we were chasing is back. They they played, yep, they played tonight at Everton. That may have an impact as well. But we must get an early goal. In that game, we've got to, to bring them out. Otherwise, I mean, God forbid we do another Wolves and go 1-0 down because it's going to be pain. Uh, very important, the crowd are 100% behind the, the team. But as I say, it's, it's a massive game. I mean, that and the week after at Villa are absolutely huge. I think we'll know by then. I think we'll know by then whether top four is still potentially there. I mean, thank goodness Newcastle are not doing much. Thank goodness Chelsea slipped up at the weekend because I still haven't discounted them, you know. But the amount of money they've spent, sooner or later, they're going to go on a run. Um, United are very poor, but they seem to be getting these freakish goals. I mean, that second goal at Luton yesterday was ridiculous. Absolutely he ridiculous. Claims it was, he, the, the guy, he claims it was a brilliant finish. Yeah, 
nonsense. <laughs> and, and, and I tell you what, the week before, I don't know who they beat. They beat somebody the week before. That was offside. Right. That was offside. And That's not supposed to happen challenged. in the modern game. Well, so the Palace game's huge. Before we go, I would love to touch on, uh, for me, the elephants in the room here, which is fantastic for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And it's called FFP. And it's now seeing clubs, Wolves being one, who are having to sell players to, to stay within the rules. And ourselves, because of brilliant planning, match day revenue, fan base, and a whole lot of other activity that Daniel Levy's organised, we are going to see the benefits of that hugely at Tottenham Hotspur. There's no doubt about it. Who knows what will happen with Manchester City? I think down three divisions, personally. Be a wow. Rangers job. Well, Rangers work. What's yeah, I know. Difference? I know. There's no I difference. Know. Seriously. Well, City might have better lawyers. That's the only thing I would say. Well, and they've got, an, they've got unlimited funds, that's for sure. Yeah, but that can only get them so far. Liverpool, obviously, even with the lad from Brighton or the guy from uh, the uh, German team in, it's going to take some time to, to rejig. So, you know, I only see good things for the future. I just hope it's going to be this season. But if not, I am so confident for next year. I really am. Good. Good. I mean, I think we got every chance still of getting in the top four. And it may, as we all know, it's still in the balance, but it may be top five that gets you into the Champions League. So Villa are very flaky. They're, sometimes they look really good and sometimes they look terrible. They're a bit like us. They'll lose at home. I mean, they lost badly at home to Newcastle the other week. I mean, Newcastle are crap, aren't they? And, uh, but, then, but then they'll beat, you know, they'll beat good teams. They'll beat us on our ground. Uh, and United, <laughs> you know, you said earlier, United are the enemy to me. You certainly demonstrated that. <laughs> it is a thinly veiled uh, contempt you have for Manchester United. Well, that's for sure. I see them now as a club that's attempting to mimic our model. Okay. I've, never for, I've never forgiven them for getting Bruno Fernandes. If yeah. ever there was a one-man team in the division, take him out of that team they would be nowhere near the top five. I'm serious. Every game I watch, he is totally responsible for anything good. And the fans have a right go at him up there. They re- and, they have, and they have a go at the Glazers. How many was oh, it? Yeah. S- 600 million or something last summer. I mean, they've outspent on transfer fees yeah. and on players' wages to a ridiculous... You know, they're never going to get that back in with Jim What's-His-Face. He's too yeah. much of a businessman. And yeah. good luck when you try and build a new stadium in Manchester because it's now real, real estate there is through the roof. Anyway, right. that's it. That's enough. I, of my love, this. I <laughs> love it. They have decimated their main asset, though. You know, there's a leaky roof at Old Trafford. Yeah. Imagine having a Euros in this country and Old Trafford not being a venue because they've made such a mess of it. Mm. Mm. Well, they've just spent nothing on so, it the whole since they took yeah, over. So if I were United fans, I'd be moaning about the Glazers as well, to be fair. Um, but I'm know, showing that... my bias here. My dad's a Man United fan, you see. So as much as I, you know, I actually don't care what they do. Really, not really. I yeah. have a bit more of a soft spot for them clearly than Richard does. Mm. Yes. Rich, Richard despises them. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I think they're noisy neighbours are the other problem they've got. But that I think oh, yeah. FF, FFP might solve that problem for them. Yeah, FFP always sounds like it's some sort of term of abuse, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Put a hashtag in front of it and it really yeah. would feel like. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. I think you're right going forward, though. I think that Spurs are, are, are always, 
you know, much one of the reasons why Levy's always got so much stake is they've always, you know, lived within their means, which is very unusual for any football club. But now, of course, that's the rules. So, like you say, I mean, there, there are many ben- potential benefits to that. One, we're not going to get in trouble. Another benefit is that we are, yeah, that we'll be able to spend more because our revenue is very, very high. But also, there will be players will become available because these clubs have got to sell. I mean, Wolves, for example, Neto is such a fabulous player, isn't he? And they've got a few good players, but Neto is a good example of someone. I mean, Chelsea, they keep saying Chelsea have got to sell Conor Gallagher. In order to, yeah, they have to. They're going to the have to sell. Yeah. And because, because he's come through the ranks, he's clear profit. They haven't paid anything for him, and that will help get them back within the maybe. But I mean, the, the thing is, the money that Chelsea and City have spent, you think, how on earth can they ever, how can A, how can they be anything other than guilty? If Everton are guilty, I mean, how can they be anything other than guilty? And B, uh, how the, what could they possibly... They'd have to sell so many players to get themselves back in, you would have thought. But City are already charged, aren't they? But, you know, you just think money talks in these situations, unfortunately. Mm. They got away with one last... They got away with one last time. I think that was fairly widely acknowledged at the time. I think the fact they're going back at them means they've got them this time. They've got them this time. I may be wrong, but I don't think I just so. wonder how long it'll take. August, Mm, August they're saying, aren't they? Right. August. I mean, Newcastle are thinking of selling Bruno, is it Bruno Gamera? Again, a player, take him out of that team. He's fantastic, yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's our Benton (laughs) core, isn't he? Yeah, he's that sort of player. Very classy central midfielder. Yeah, he's got a bit of everything about him. Yeah, 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 good player. Well, yeah, you're right. You know, maybe next season all of these things will have an effect. The thing is, this season it would be such a great thing. Some some fans, I mean, I don't know where you stand, Chris, but some fans say, okay, oh, if we get in the Champions League, we always go out of it early, which isn't strictly true. We have been to the final. Um, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to finish in Champions League places because I think it's a number of things. One is. Um, you know, what that means in terms of revenue, particularly given what we've just been talking about. Secondly, like going to new places. I love going to new places and football's a great way of doing that. And then I think, and thirdly, and maybe most importantly, it's about how you attract players. Now, everything else, we've got an incredible stadium, we've got incredible facilities for them to sort of train and, and be in. Then if you're in competitions in Europe, that's where we should be. Because if we're going to be a top football club, that's where we should be in the top competitions in Europe. So, you know, I think I'd love to be in the Champions League. I do wonder, you know, at the beginning of this season or certainly at the end of last season, we couldn't ever imagine it. So I think the fact that we could, even, you know, regardless of the fact that we lost at the weekend, that we're still there or thereabouts, I think is testament to Ange. Yes. Um, and Given the problems the, he's had, yeah. yeah. And all yeah. the work that he's done. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'd be, I will, I guess I will be disappointed if we don't, because of course you want to be in the best competitions. Um, I think at the very least, we need to be back in some kind of European competition next season. And we should be given, you know, given where we are, you would hope. Champions um, League, yeah. And just on, um, on Palace, I think what's interesting, of course, you've got this whole new manager bounce thing that everyone's mm. going to be talking about, except yeah. if Alice are playing this weekend, just to remind Yeah, yeah that's true. We were, we're not the first. They are. Yeah. yeah. Against whoever they're playing this weekend and not us. And by all accounts as well, I saw, um, you know, that sort of free economics thing. Yeah. Um, they did some analysis on new manager bounce and it's not actually a thing. It's a load of bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's really cheered me up. 
Yeah. <laughs> because uh, you know what I immediately thought of? I don't know if you remember. I don't know how many years ago it was, but bloody Alan Pardew got the job at Palace. He left Newcastle to go to Palace. And it was like the return, because he was a Palace player, you know, and as a popular Palace player, he'd been involved in that cup run they'd had and all that. So, and I remember it being on the telly and all the bloody media and all the pundits in the studio. And I mean, we were a good side of that, but I think it was early Pochettino days. And there, but everybody was talking up Palace and their new manager bounce, and they were gonna, you know, Spurs were gonna fight, and they won. And I was absolutely, I was quite bitter about it because it wasn't just that we lost; it was the way the whole of bloody football wanted Palace to win because of the story. Well, at least Olivia Oliver Glasner never played for Palace in a FA Cup semi-final, so so maybe they won't get quite so so excited about him. I, I, I checked on the latest injury news. It would appear that uh, Ujogi has got every chance of playing in that game. He's only got a minor knock. And Poro's got a pretty good chance as well because you just feel like, I mean, every time we think we've got the team back, it's it's not back. I mean, we're just getting the first team back. But, I mean, if you lose one fullback, that's bad. But, but to lose them both, it's so integral, isn't it? It's a bit like when we lost both the centre-backs. I mean, it's not quite as bad as that because, of course, we didn't have any centre... We didn't, literally didn't play any centre-backs in their stead. But... It's nearly as bad as that because they're such an important part of the system and they're just so good. I mean, they are. there have been so many good players this season, but they've been a revelation, those two. I really do think, you know, I wouldn't swap. I really wouldn't swap Udogi, I don't think, for any other left back in the country. I mean, there are a lot of good right backs around, obviously, because you're going to get more right footed players. But Poro is definitely among the very best. But Udogi, I, I wouldn't swap him for anyone. I mean, he's just, I mean, he is, he's still young, so he still makes mistakes. He'd give the ball away every now and then and lunge in with his studs up every now and then. So he's still got, still got things to learn and he's got to be finessed. But I do, I do love him. So good news if he, I think if they come back, if the fullbacks are back, it's another game for Madison. It's a shame for Madison to have to wait two weeks to play, actually, because he, he needs games, doesn't he? But, um, but nevertheless, he's still got another game in his tank. So I think at some point at Madison, I remember he always did that at Leicester. He, he always got an injury once a season. And then he'd come back slow and then suddenly, bang, he's back. And everyone's like, why do I Madison at Leicester? And you think, yeah, every season this is what happens. So hopefully that'll happen. And that'll be in time for the running. And he'll be, you know, when he's when he's back uh, firing on all cylinders. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, for the end of the season, particularly now we know that the new manager bounces a load of bollocks, and um, <laughs> and I think uh, I, I, you know I feel but I, 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 I'm I'm always I'm always accused of being a happy clappy. I do it. I'm nearly always I'm nearly always up to this. Richard, I just wanted to ask a bit off topic this, but I um I noticed on your Twitter that you're doing an event coming up. Uh, it, I think it's in Blackpool, and your special guest. Your special guest, am I right in saying, is Betty Levet? Yeah, that's the Blackpool International Soul Festival at the Winter Gardens, June 21st to 23rd. I mean, yes, but the, the Grammy-nominated Betty Levet will I be with us. I absolutely love her. Oh, you've got to come and see. Well, come to no matches. Come as my guest. Please do. Really? I absolutely yeah. love Betty yeah. Levet. The she's last wonderful. two albums she's put out, I've been, I have been absolutely... She made that incredible album of Bob Dylan covers. And then last year she had an album, which is, as you say, has been nominated, was was nominated in the Grammys. Um, which was on a, tour. Interesting collaborations, wasn't it? Yeah, she's With, on uh, tour. With Steve Winwood and people. You she's can on see t- it. You can see her in London, um, I think it's the 6th of May, doing songs like what you're talking about. 
Right. Okay. One of the great new stuff. Yeah. But in, at my gig, it would be fantastic for you to come because what she's going to do there is all her rare stuff from the years at Carla, Atlantic, wow. uh, and, and Atco. So that's right. a tw- a, and Carla. So obviously Let Me Down Easy will be in there. But she's doing two numbers she's never, ever done live before. And all the others are unique to Blackpool. So go to both shows. But please, please, please come and because you can meet her then. Because she, she, she's coming up to the VIP area. She's such a character as well. I've heard her on she, podcasts. Oh, have you read a book? Te- My God. No, I should read a book. She's very oh. forthright, isn't she? She tells oh. stories about encounters with famous Diana Ross. She, Diana she, Ross. Ha- she has no truck with uh, <laughs> with temperamental celebrities whatsoever, oh, does she? God, oh, Jean Chad, she's quite frightening in a nice way. Yeah. But I know last time we had her there about seven or eight years ago, she what did she say to me? I said something about how's, how's your husband? Uh, and she said, um, oh, he's got the same disease as you. I said, what's that? He said he's a record-collecting fanatic and addict. <laughs> yeah, an wow. addict. And, wow. But no, she's she's a rich, she's a survivor. I think yeah, she's the, totally. You know, I book these acts, you know, and it's getting harder and harder, Theo, because yeah. for, for a variety of reasons, we've had most of them over. But she, honestly, she's like the last one standing now. She right. really is. Did you, you ever get so Mavis Staples? Did you ever had Mavis Staples? In? No, I saw her once in New York. Would you believe at the Apollo with Al Green? That was oh, amazing. Wow. Oh my god! Maybe, you know yeah, what I realised? We've got off on a massive tangent here. I know we, we have. I better. We go. could go on like this race. It's my fault entirely. No, can it's I just my mention fault. Europe? Can I mention Europe yes. again? Because yes. Chris is right. We've got to get into Europe. Now, even if it's only the Europa, we'll still pack the stadium regardless. And there's every chance, every chance we would progress further in that and therefore get more games, more crowds and more revenue. Although I realise the prize money isn't as much. If we didn't make Europe, we would have a problem with FFP because it's amortised over three seasons. So the, the season we're in now is obviously a downside but the previous two seasons were way up there. So we've, you know, if Daniel Levy was in on this now, he'd be saying top six is absolutely vital. Top four, wonderful. Top six, essential. So, you know, hence me still watching Newcastle's results and Chelsea's results. I also think, you know, there's all of those that stuff, which I completely agree, but I think we're Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. We should be six of the Premier League. We yeah. should be in the top four of the Premier League. We- Pushing to be in the top two, the top, you know, the top of the Premier League. Sure, absolutely. And I think, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's part of the sort of ladder to that potentially is that. But yeah, I completely agree with you. It'd be such a different conversation if we'd won the game on Saturday, wouldn't it? With yeah, all of us. The always. whole backdrop to this conversation. Always. Was, yeah. You know, but anyway, well, we can't change that now. One thing I wanted to touch on before we go, Chris, is um, one thing that came up this weekend, which uh, was an extraordinary thing. But there's trouble at the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. Now, I I, I know the trust quite well. I, I do things with them. I do their events and stuff. And, I, and I, I love them. I love them past and present. But the past regime issued in, in the form of Martin Cloak, very articulate man, uh, issued quite a big, uh, did you see it? Quite a big stinging criticism of the present leadership. Him and um, Cap stood down about a year ago. And uh, he he's, the, uh, what, what do you make of that, Chris? 
I think I think the same as 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 you there, Theo. Is you know, like I'm a I'm a big proponent of the trust. I think a strong supporters trust is really important in um, for every uh, football club. And I think we've been very lucky, and that ours has been one of the leaders um, in terms of you know this the work that goes on in the Premier League. Now, it hasn't necessarily been as active or as strong as it. I think it might it should it should be really more recently. I I can't tell you for why. Uh, you know, but I think you know having a strong supporters trust is really important. So, you know, I think whichever way we can find our way back to that, I think is crucial. Uh, you know, particularly as we're kind of, you know, on the cusp of, you know, looking at what regulation looks like and and all of that kind of stuff. I think, you know, and I, I see other clubs as well with my work with the um, FSA and, you know, there's warring amongst supporters groups and all the rest of it. And we, touch wood, we don't have that. So I think, you know, it must have taken a lot for um, Kat and Martin to to write that. They said at the beginning of the piece, they don't take any pleasure in it. And I believe that very much. They want what's right for the Spurs fan base. And I think the... Um, a strong trust is that and and um you know and i don't think it's beyond the i don't think it's beyond the people that are currently in it for that i just think it's about where the focus now sits so i'm i'm you know as i say i'm i'm big fans of as you say of the of the current lot as well as the old lot and i hope you know we can all find a way through it because it's important for the fan base yeah yeah Absolutely. All right. Well, let's wrap it up now. You know how we wrap it up. I had to force you. I force you to make predictions for the upcoming game. So this is the Palace game. I'll probably do all this all over again next week because we won't have had enough game in between. So your predictions will be added to next week's unfortunate guests. So Richard, how do you, give us a prediction for the Palace game. 2-0. Yeah. Nice and straight. Yeah. I've done, I've done the I've done the five games after it, but I'm not going to mention it because I'll <laughs> I'll jinx it. But my, my predictions give us 16 points out of 18. Oh, so that's a, that's the sort of predictions I make. Yeah, yeah. The, the only drop points are at Villa in a one-all draw. But no, two two nil against Palace. Early okay. goal is essential. Yeah, we'd probably take a draw at Villa. Actually, to be fair, mm. Chris, what do you how do you see the Palace game going? Four one. Yeah, you think we're going to really rediscover our mojo, think, especially if the fullbacks are back. Absolutely, and I think we we owe we owe someone a bit of a hiding, mm-hmm. and I don't yeah. see why it shouldn't be that because I think there's gonna there's gonna be a little bit of hurt from the players' perspective as well. I would hope yeah. after the game, having a yeah. week off, getting yeah. you know getting the fullbacks back. I think someone's due a hiding, and I don't see why it shouldn't be Palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hard luck, Palace, but you're next in line. <laughs> All right, brilliant. Listen, I'd like to thank you both very, very much. I've enjoyed this a lot. It's been a really rich show. We've covered a lot of stuff. Uh, so, Chris and Richard, thank you very, very much. Hope to see you both very soon. Thank you, Theo. Uh, and this is uh, Theo Delaney signing off in North London saying, Go in, you Spurs! If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.